Hello and welcome back to On and Off The Pitch. This is an interview with the interview with series continues. I'm speaking with Carla Ward today. Carla, how are you? I'm very well, yeah, considering and the sun's coming out, so I can't complain, but no, all good, all good here. And I didn't give you a big enough build-up. Former manager of Sheffield United Women, you are an a licensed coach, correct? Yeah, yeah. And you are, and you are the owner of Havana Stitch and Print. Yeah, I, I am for <laughs> <All> my sins. <laughs> for you, a varied, a varied life. Um, yeah. You know, I want to find out about your life in football. Um, your journey. When did it begin? How did you fall in love? Your step from playing to management. You know, so you know, in terms of where we start your childhood memories of football, what, what were they for you? Well, I grew up in Torquay um, on an estate called Whatcom, which um, is uh, wasn't the greatest estate, some would say, but to be honest with you, probably the place I learned everything about myself and um, best years of my life down there. And um, all the lads used to, uh, used to be over the park or over the school when they shouldn't have been uh, with a ball. So, um, yeah, I used to literally finish school and, and go and play with the boys. And, um, yeah, it was enjoyable. We had a, a great group down there, some that are still in football. Um, so that's where it all started, really, just um, getting a ball from a very, very young age, which was interesting because I had two older brothers that weren't really interested um, in football. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, I would say, certainly down in Torquay on, uh, on Watcom State. How old were you? Um... I'd probably say maybe seven or eight through till 15 I was down there. So, um, yeah, young. I used to, I got a ball out fairly early. I'm not really sure where it came from, but yeah, enjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> never looked back. Who was your inspiration back then? It's funny because although not that young, but as I grew up, I remember the day Steven Gerrard came on in the, um, what was it then? Not the UEFA Cup, UEFA Cup it was called. What was it called back then? You might know. Uh, the uh, <laughs> European yeah. Cup competition. But he came, yeah. Yeah. he came on at 18 years old at right back. And uh, I remember that day thinking, guys, oh, he's, he's some player. And, and um, yeah, I, I fell in love very quickly with the way he played and, uh, soon enough, he, he moved into the middle of the park and I always sort of wanted to play um, from that in the middle of the park. And um, I would say very much Stephen Gerrard became someone I looked up to. And then obviously now he's moved into management from from playing. I still follow everything he does and um, someone I admire quite a lot. Would you say that you've mirrored his path in terms of player to manager? Didn't I just beat him to it, actually? Just, um, you know, when I come out of playing, it makes me sound old, that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I um, yeah, we've, we've had similar journeys, obviously, but um, he's, uh, yeah, he's done very, very well, and I think he'll continue to do well, to be honest. What type of player were you? Um, I'd like to think I was a more of a technical player. I wasn't the quickest, um, but certainly um, I've played in behind, the, in behind the forward in the 10 role, and... Um, I like to make things happen in the final third. So I'd like to think that I was more technical rather than a, pay, a pacey player. But um, no, it's, uh, yeah, definitely someone I like to get about in the middle. 
So you were a box-to-box player? Yeah, although some managers will say I couldn't quite defend, but I kept saying, well, if we can score at the other end, then I wouldn't worry too much. And then even in my management, you know, we couldn't keep a clean sheet last year and everyone everyone used to laugh because we, we were very much an attacking side and even our, even our full-backs were, were attacking players and that's just the way I think is the game should be played in, in an exciting way. So, um, yeah, I'd say uh, very much a forward-thinking player. Regarding your playing career, did you find parts of that difficult? Did you enjoy all of it or were there periods where you thought, this is too much for me, I'm not enjoying my football? Um, I don't think I ever really had that moment where I wasn't enjoying football because I suppose I'm a bit of a football geek. It's always been my life from from sort of an early age and I live and breathe it and whatever football's on the TV I want to watch. So, um, I mean, even only on Sunday, I took my little one for a walk in the park and I'm sat there watching a grassroots game for 90 minutes. And um, no, I love it. I love everything about it. So during my um, playing time, the only time I suppose it got tough was when For example, I lived in Newquay, I played for Bristol City, I was travelling two and a half, three hours, sometimes it would take four hours to get to training, there was no money in the game then, so I had to heavily rely on my family. And, you know, you're soaking wet, sitting in a car for three hours on the way home, and sometimes days start draining you, and um, you start thinking, this is not great, but the love of the game keeps you in it, and um, no, uh, I loved every minute of playing. Where did your professional career begin? Professionally, um, I think when I would say, I think the turning point was when I went to play in Spain um, because I went out there for a got two year contract out there and um, you go from being part time here to um, playing in front of maybe 50, 60 people to um to going out there playing in front of sort of 2000, which at the time was, was a big crowd for the women's game. Um, so, and then you're training every single day and, and every, all the other little aspects come into it. So I would say probably the turning point was maybe 20 years old when I went out to, to play in Spain. That's quite young. Yeah, it was. I, um, it was. It was strange because there was something inside me where I felt like I wanted to do it. Uh, my dad lived out there, my brothers lived out there. So I actually just went to watch. I wanted to just go and train with a local team. <clears throat> and um, with half idea, do I want to stay, do I not? I was only really on holiday, visiting the family. Um, and then I trained with them and I loved it because it was hard. It was tough. It was, you know, I didn't understand the language and um, it was something I really wanted to do. And then I ended up going home the following weekend, getting as much stuff as I could coming back. And that was that for two years. So, um, yeah, it was um, it was an exciting time. I learned a lot. But then I'm typically British, missed home and, and wanted to come home again to the rain. So, yeah, very strange. <laughs> so from there, where do you go to play your football then? So I came back, I went to Lincoln, um, Lincoln City, um, who we had, a, you know, we had a great, great side, great time, and we had some um, exceptional players. Um, and then sadly, uh, Ray True from Notts County came in and, and bought Lincoln City out. And uh, at the time, it seemed a good idea, but it turned out it wasn't a very good idea because a couple of years later, they, they obviously um, dispersed, which was a shame because the effort and and uh, the sort of um, the work that went to to get Lincoln City to where they were um, as an established women's setup was exceptional, and that just sort of went down the drain a little bit. So um, yeah, it was a it was a funny time, but um, 
I went on loan to, to Leeds United. Um, no, sorry, the other way around. I went to Leeds before going back on loan to Lincoln. But I went to Leeds where we had an unbelievable team there and Steph Alton was there, Jade Moore was there, Sue Smith, Jess Clark, Ellen White, um, Jess Wright. There were some some exceptional players and um, an in- enjoyable time, tough time. But um, yeah, I I, uh, I would say that was probably the most exciting time because you're around players that even though they hadn't quite made it then, you always knew that they were going to. And Steph was a central midfielder then and I just remember thinking the quality she had and and there's no surprise how those sorts of players then now are um, at the forefront of the women's game. Sounds like you were part of a really good team and had a great time. Mm, yeah, yeah, it was. It was a good time. And then obviously I went back to, to Lincoln on loan um, where I was playing regularly and then I decided that that was probably the path for me to go down. So, um, yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. I have researched some aspects of your career and there is mention of Doncaster Rovers. Did you play there? Tell me about that. What happened was, was this towards the end end of my career? So after Shefford FC, I, I left Shefford FC after nine great, great years. Um, and there was only an R in, do I, don't I retire? I'd had two spinal operations. Everybody was telling me to retire. It was time to, to hang the boots, but you know, my heart was saying I still wanted to play. Um, I had friends at Doncaster, so I rang Leandro Little, who was the captain there, who I get on with well, and, and I spoke to Neil Redfern, who was there. And um, I went over to train, and I spent a couple of days training there, and I enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. And then on the way home that night, I had a voicemail from Kevin McCabe at Sheffield United saying that he wanted to have a chat. Um, so... I met up with um, the director of football along with the general manager, Lee Walshaw, at the time um, and had a couple of conversations with Kevin. And there was an opportunity to um, to take over what was a, a project. And I spoke to a few people and quite a lot of people said to me, it's a risk. You're dropping down three divisions. You're giving up playing for an opportunity that, that might not be um, what they say it is. Um, but something after meeting with the club made me think this is this could be special um, and a project that um, I'm the sort of person that, you know, money's not important. It's all about opportunity and, and what you can do with that opportunity. So I dropped down, which raised a lot of eyebrows and a lot of questions as to why I would go there. And, uh, but I knew that, that the project would be something that if we managed to get to the championship would be special. So... I took the jump um, and uh, obviously never looked back, you know, four, four great years there. And um, we, we achieved, in my opinion, quite a lot from nothing, from scratch, built a squad um, and um, finished fifth in the first season in the championship and then obviously finished second last year. So I would say we've had a, a very good time of it. From your playing career, did you ever see yourself going into management? Did you at some point, you know, in your early 20s go, I'm going to be a manager? Or did it come to you much later on as you move towards the end? I always wanted to be a manager. I think um, particularly, you know, as a captain at, at most clubs I went to and 
um, I, I always I always wanted to sort of lead and um, I knew that I wanted to coach. I'm not sure whether it actually dawned on me about management early on, but probably towards the latter stages, I used to joke with Sheffield FC manager Helen when I was out injured for a while. I used to go and stand with her on the sideline. He used to say, I'll be here one day. Um, and I've got a picture that reminds me actually that um, somebody took a picture of myself and her on the sideline. And I said, this will, one day I'm going to be on the sideline. And she used to laugh. But um, yeah, no, I always wanted to manage. Um, so it's, um, it's something that I was delighted to get the opportunity to do so. So, so on reflection, you wanted to manage from an early age. Why? Now you're asking me. I don't know. I've got a few extra grey hairs. I've got wrinkles coming along. And uh, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm old before my time already in management. You know, people say you get grey hairs from management. And I must admit, I agree. Um, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I live and breathe football. You want to be in the game. You want to be able to affect things. You want to be able to make a difference. Um, and I think they're the things really that, that, that drive you and, and make you want to sort of be successful within the game. I didn't get a chance to see your Sheffield team play in the flesh live. Uh, the coronavirus concerns put a halt to that. So when we consider your time at Sheffield, if you were to go back and look at key events, uh, key games, which one stands out for you as really good and which ones haunt you and you wished you'd have changed things? clear on both of those um so the two the two games that stand out for me were tottenham away in the first year of the championship which started our seven game on beat and run you know they went on to, to get promoted we were we were one nil down and 20 minutes to go and we, we we had some big players missing that day but the girls were exceptional um executed the game plan to perfection and literally 20 minutes to go you saw a complete different hunger in the players and forget anything about the coaches or management that day. Those girls were hungry and, and they were determined not to get beat. Um, and with 20 minutes to go, we, we pulled one back and, um, and it could have gone either way. The game was fascinating to watch for a neutral. Um, and then in the 93rd minute, um, Jade Pennock does what Jade Pennock does best and pops up with a late winner. And uh, it was euphoria, I must admit. It was absolutely chaotic, but it was unbelievable. The, the players that day... Um, you know, to a man, to a woman, um, they were exceptional, and um, probably, probably the key game throughout my managerial career that will that will forever be with me because it was just unbelievable. Did you have a big celebration afterwards? Well, I ran. I got told off actually because when we scored in the night for a minute, I, I I'm quite passionate, so I ran. I thought I was running down the touchline, but I actually did a Jurgen Klopp and ran on the pitch, celebrating, jumping in the air. So um, I got very much quickly dragged off the pitch and um, got got told off. But um, it was worth it, you know, a minute later when when the final whistle went. So uh, yeah, it was a, a very good day. That's good. And for a result, you reflect on and wish things had been different. Which one stands out for you? I think this will stand out probably to, to an individual as well. Um, but Villa this year, um, we wanted to do something a little bit different because we wanted to try and turn the screw. Uh, we knew that the game in January would potentially define the season. So I made a call to drop um, our top goal scorer, Katie Wilkinson, because, you know, she's, she's, she's unbelievable as a player and a person. But we wanted um, the game plan didn't quite suit the way she played. Um, and we wanted to try something different, but um, we came in at half time. It didn't work. 
very clearly didn't work but listen I'll put my hands up when it doesn't work and we had to get her on the pitch but I think it was a little bit too late we lost 1-0 and that game I always look back and think those fine margins um, maybe what, uh, what cost us in, in trying to win the league but on a whole listen we, we've gone toe-to-toe with a team that um, you know are, are a great side backed with great management you know They've got the money, the infrastructure, and everything to, to be a WSL team, and we wish them all the best. But, um, you know, those fine margins cost us on the day. So that was the game, really, I think was a turning point that we probably, um, I'll, I'll, I won't forget that game, put it that way. Talking about the promotion to the WSL, I look at the league, and it seems, and as an observer, it could do with actually promoting more than one team. One million percent. I tell people at the FA, it's, it's crazy. I tell, I, I would happily sit and tell anybody, you know, you've got some teams that, and this year will be really competitive and there's some teams geared up to, to wanting to get promoted. Um, and you, you question, you know, if you want to grow the women's game and if you want to grow the WSL, you have to get more teams in that top elite division. And if teams are ready, expand. And... You know, last year, do I think, you know, if they'd open up two spots, great, us and Villa would have, would have gone up. This year, I think it's going to be a, a real big title race. You know, Liverpool have come down and they're full-time. Uh, Leicester have um, pumped a lot of money in. They're going full-time. Um, we've, you know, before I left, I recruited, obviously, Mel Johnson, who was exceptional in this division last year and, and will, will make Sheffield United stronger. Um, so, you know, Sheffield United will have a good chance. Um Durham are always there or thereabouts, a very, very good team that are, are massively underrated and don't get the respect they deserve. Um, so straight away, you've got four very good teams and more, by the way. You've got London City, London Bees. There's plenty of teams in that division that, that can be up there. I, I honestly think that it's going, to be a, it's going to be a heartbreak for some teams this year because there's only one going up again. I know this conversation is geared to you. I'm so glad you said what you just said. I have had the same conversation with friends privately and on this podcast previously, and I would have loved to have seen the top three teams promoted from last year. Absolutely. Um, because there's enough quality, uh, you know, in, in those teams to, to make the WSL a, a, a challenge for any team. Um, and, it, and, 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 it's about, and it's about growing the game. Um, I want to ask you a little bit more about growing the game, apart from just promoting the teams that are in the lower division. Um, what's your role now in terms of like increasing, uh, you know, the women's game in terms of the brand, in terms of the participation, in terms of the growth? How are you going to, you know, with, with everything that you have behind you, you're putting your knowledge. Yeah. Well, firstly, I need to need to get back into a job. <laughs> but uh, no, there's, yeah, there's a, there's a few things in, in the pipeline. But um, I think naturally, all all sort of um, I think the women's game's growing. It's growing at a steady rate. It's growing at a good rate. Um, I still think more can be done, but I think that you know they're certainly the FA are now starting to um, to do a lot more, and I think that that's important. Um, I think that you know the continue. I think the right person for the right job is always important, but I think it's good to see more and more female coaches in the women's game, um, particularly for sort of the younger younger players. Um, so. For me, just the, the the FA will continue to, to push and to strive. And I think all the coaches and players have also got to do the same thing. Um, in terms of my next steps, um, 
there are a few things um, going on, so to speak, and uh, I think the next few weeks will be very important and key to, to where I end up and what I end up doing. Right, okay. Uh, did you put your application in for the top job? No, 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 definitely not. Okay, right. I just thought you were going in that direction. No, absolutely not, no. No, not unless I get a knock on the door, but no. No, that's a, that's a job for someone experienced. Um, in my opinion, I think the national team now need to get somebody in that that can try and win us the uh, the World Cup or the Euros. And, you know, it's a great squad, some great young players coming through. Uh, we're set up brilliantly now, I think, to, to go and achieve something good. So um, I think hopefully they'll get, they'll get the right person. Um, my worry would be that the way... Listen, Phil, Phil Neville did, did okay. Uh, I believe um, my only worry would be that they went they go down a similar route in terms of getting somebody in from the men's game. I think now they've really got to get someone experienced in the women's game because, you know, people talk about all the time. It's a completely different game. You're dealing with a completely different set of hormones for one, um, whether people want to admit that or not, you know, it's, it's true. Um, you need to understand the women's game. It's very different to the men's game. So um, I really hope now they get experience from the women's game. You say it's not for you, which is fine. Who would you nominate if you could choose to go forward for that role? So I'm going to kind of contradict what I've just said in terms of experience. Um, First and foremost, I think Jill Ellis has, I think she, number one, the FA need to go and do everything and anything they can to get Jill Ellis, you know, for me, probably one of the best um, on the international stage there is. If they're not going to go down that route, obviously, yes, people would say Emma Hayes, but she's, she's made it clear she's not interested. So for me, and this is where I contradict what I've just said about experience, because she's not as experienced as the other, the other names, but particularly Casey Stoney is someone that, I think could do a job similar to a Gareth Southgate mode uh, mold in terms of um, you know she's she's played at international level she's done a, a very good job at Manchester United um, and I think that if you look at what they did with Gareth Southgate it might be similar um, but then again it's whether they want instant success or somebody to go in there and build and build with them and, and grow with them so you just don't know what the FA want, to be honest. You've put forward some good names, I must admit. I'm saying be bold, and I don't know why you couldn't put yourself forward. You know? I've got a lot of learning, I think, first to do. Well, it, I, what I would say to counter that is that any manager that knows that they have to do learning is a good manager. It's been reflected. Yeah, and any manager that thinks there's no more learning to do is, is worrying. It's very worrying. Um, I'm going to ask you about your um, time at Sheffield United. I mean, are, are you sad the way things ended? Um, yes and no. I mean, yes, I've been on an exceptional journey. I've worked with some great people. Um, you know, the group of players that um, that were there were, were a great group. Um, we... We were trying to change things this year. We brought in, a, uh, obviously, Mel, who would have added to it, and uh, it was going to be an exciting season, I felt. But 
And when I say no, I think it's because maybe there becomes a time where you think, is this the time, the right time to step away? And there was numerous conversations between myself and the football club where you, the yes and the no's come along. Um, but ultimately, you know, I've left the football club and, and now it's a case of, um, you know, I'll wish them well and, and particularly keep my eyes on, on the players and what they can try and achieve this season. But for me, it's about now looking for a, for a fresh start, for something that's going to push me and drive me. And, um, you know, I want to be successful. I, I want to be in the WSL. I want to kick on. And, and I'm hoping now I'll get an opportunity to do that. OK, so what are you going to do next? You, you are, you're an A-licensed coach. Um, what's the next thing for you? Um, I think, obviously, an opportunity to get on the grass and develop and, and move forward. And I, I'm I'm one of those with a, an itchy backside that doesn't like to sit still. So I want to move forward. I want to um, constantly try and develop, constantly try and develop myself and um, understand new things, learn new ideas and um, put them into practice. So I think it, the, the next move is somewhere where I can do that. Um, and certainly move forwards um, because I think that's something I always want to do. And you know what? I might be early on in my coaching, but I never want to be going backwards. I always want to be going forward. So I'm going to be looking now for an opportunity that can um, um, put pressure on me, um, that can stretch me, that can, can put me outside my comfort zone and, and um, put me in positions where the only way I get out of it is by achieving. So... I want to. Uh, I want to get. I want to get them myself kicked on. Is that looking abroad beyond the UK? Um, maybe, maybe not. Um, would I work abroad? Yeah, I, I said further on down my career, I would have liked to have gone abroad. I mean, if an opportunity came up now abroad, then would I go? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, but I think right now I've got a one-year-old. Um, I think. I think my next move, ideally, I want to be still in England. Still in England and managing in top flight football. In an ideal world, yeah. In an ideal world, in an ideal world. You do, you, you're playing your cards close to your chest, Carlo. <laughs> you're, not, you're a poker player. <laughs> Maybe I should take up poker then to earn a bit of a few quid. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what I didn't get from your um, your playing days, you know, in terms of, I mean, the statistics in terms of goals scored and things like that, I wanted to know who was your best friend during that time? Who would you, who would you have spoken to um, in terms of being, having difficult times? Because what I'm trying to get at, should I say, is a, a lot of the conversation of late has been about mental health. In football, we've had the, you know, the FA Cup, which is, you know, heads up, you know, kind of linked with mental health. And it's, it's come to the fore now where you're talking. People are talking more about it. But I don't know what it would have been like for you as a player coming up through the time when you were. Who did you speak to? Who, did, who could you could find it, confide in? Could you go and get the support that you needed as a player from someone, whether it was in the club or outside of the club? So as a player... Um, I would say when I was at Sheffield FC which was nine years so it was a long time um, my go-to would have been the manager at the time Helen Mitchell um, she was like everybody's mother and 
you knew that the moment I went there on loan, I knew that I could achieve something there, even though it was a step backwards, because the manager at the time was there for you as people and she very much wanted to look after you all as people and then the playing came because you had so much respect for her um so i would say yeah mitch would be the probably the the person that was always there through through the the bad times or through periods where you struggled and particularly i um i lost my brother um in 2009 and uh, on the, on a Saturday night, and I remember speaking to Mitch that night, and she said, "You don't have to come to football." And, and I went, um, and I played. Um, and um, she she was just always there, always there. So yeah, I think um, I think probably Helen Mitchell. Yeah. Would you say that this opportunity was there for other players or just yourself? No, I think it was there for all the all the squad, and that's what made us quite a tight knit squad because everybody was treated the same. Our Sheffield FC days were were a time where we we ran through brick walls for each other. And I was actually talking to a player that I still speak to, um, Lisa, the other day, and um, we were saying those days, you know, you don't really see that those sorts of squads anymore in football because it's all driven by money and agents and everything else. But um, particularly that squad was all treated the same everyone would fight for each other we didn't particularly have the best players but we certainly had a tight-knit squad that made that made us achieve what we achieved and um yeah it was uh, very much down to the manager i would say going forward as a coach would you embed that practice of having someone in the club so that players can go and speak about their own mental health concerns and induce and do so in a holistic way yeah, absolutely. And I think that I always like to have good relationships with the players. And, and that's something that you know, even now, now when I've left Sheffield United, I still speak to, to probably nine or ten of them most, uh, <laughs> you know, a few times a week. So um, it's uh, I think it's important. Um, I think it's massively important. Do I think there's enough done for mental health? No, I don't. Um, not in football, not outside of football. I think this country probably needs a lot more in terms of mental health. And um, I think that clubs, particularly top two levels, uh, well, every level, but particularly top two levels with the resources and the um, and sort of the money side of it, I think that they should really have someone designated to, to look after people in that in that aspect. Since your departure from Sheffield, what have you been doing with your time? Have you been Netflix box setting it? Uh, have you been reading, watching movies? What have you been doing? So when I left Sheffield United, I wanted to make sure that I didn't didn't come too far away from the game. Um, so I started to develop a session book, which is got sort of, as it, as it sounds, all different sessions for all different game plans, for all different situations, scenarios. So we start, I started to develop that, uh, but also I have a one-year-old, which has been unbelievable to spend so much time with her through through lockdown and and, it, and obviously since since I left Sheffield United. But um, I'm enjoying a bit of time going into to various clubs, speaking to other coaches, doing um, doing some analysis for for another club. Um, so bits and pieces, staying in the game and um, just making sure that you keep up with modern trends because the game moves so quickly. Um, so been doing an awful lot of webinars, 
conferences, podcasts like this, talking football. Um, yeah, I mean, if I didn't talk football in the day, I'd probably go insane. So, um, yeah, I've been, uh, been very much keeping myself busy with it. Any books? be honest anytime I pick up a book if my little one's around she um she wants to pull it off me so uh no I've, I've started to read it but um I'm probably only a couple of chapters in so there's still a long way to go I've never really been one to read until lockdown came along really mm. well read you read sessions but to be honest with you when you're in when you're in management you you leave the house early in the morning you get in late at night you're at it all day every day you don't have time to breathe and I think in lockdown, it was quite nice to be able to sit back, reflect, learn um, in a different way. So it was quite nice, actually. I bet it was. Audio books are probably what you need. I've learned every single nursery rhyme there is. But that's, uh, that's one thing I've learned in this past few months. Uh, can you give us a rendition of one then? Which one do you want? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so glad I was able to catch it. We tried this week. It's been really difficult because I know yeah. you've been really busy and I do appreciate, you know, obviously mum, businesswoman, a licensed coach, so much has been going on for you. So I do appreciate the fact that you came back to me. My, my last question for you, um, if you could go back to, in fact, no, I've got two questions actually. This is the one. If you could go back to any point in your career, any point, player, manager, and you could change something, <laughs> what point would it be and what would you change? So I can't tell you the honest answer to that. <laughs> 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 uh, obviously, whenever you yeah off air i'll tell you no i um there is a point but i obviously can't say that so uh, what would i change that diplomatically i could talk about i'm joking um i think going from playing to managing I think the one thing I would change is um, early on, I'd say first six months, really um, spending time with a mentor and trying to, I'm, I'm quickly changing that player to manager mode because I think the first year I was still acting like a player sometimes with the players. And I think that um, you can't do that. There has to be a clear line and um, you have to learn quickly. But it's easier said than done. Everyone will go through it. I still speak to some managers now that are three years in and still struggling with that. So, um, but I think that it's important if you're going from player to manager that you maybe have a mentor that guides you for the first six months or so. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe the older made a few changes there. Something. You, 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 you mentioned something which I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't ask you before and it's and it's it's caused me to think of something else now that you're not in the game at the moment would you be a mentor to another manager coming up 100% yeah yeah I think it's important but I think we have a really good particularly in the women's game we have a really good support network where although we're rivals on the pitch we also have a very good relationship 
Um, you know, I've got another championship manager um, that I'm seeing tomorrow for 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 some food. Um, I saw one last week. Uh, I still speaking regularly with quite a few of them. So we have a really good support network, and I think it's really important because, particularly when you're going through tough times or good times, it's it's it's, um, it's easy to either in the good times get carried away or in the bad times beat yourself up. So I think it's good to have that support mechanism network where you can all keep each other. Uh, grounded um, and and sort of help each other out. So that's been quite good. And and I put that down to the FA run ran a um, coach development trip to France last year, where there was sort of I think 12, 12 of us coaches from the championship and um, WSL, um, and we spent five days analysing games, uh, working together. It, it was brilliant. And um, what I mentioned to you about this course that we're starting today, coaching excellence course, you know, similar people will be on that today. So I think um, stuff like that helps because um, you can really help each other out. My last question to you is, can I catch up with you at some point in the season and see how things are getting on? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Wherever I may be. Well, well, I hope to follow where you go and see how things get on. Definitely. I'd like to thank you, Carla, for again getting back to Pleasure. me and for giving me the time and everyone else the time and sharing your journey uh, uh, as to where you were and where you are going to be. Yeah, no pleasure. Thanks for having me. I shall uh, hopefully see you soon. All right, okay. that was it. Uh, that was another an interview with Sirius with Carla Ward. Uh, please make sure that you listen right through and listen again because it's really interesting and I'll see you all very soon. Bye for now.